Too often, faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Hey, welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. Great to be with you as always. Boy, it's the end of February already. I I can't believe I'm saying this, but winter is flying by and nobody in the Midwest ever has ever said those words. (laughs) Although there's a snowstorm on the horizon here in Wisconsin this week, but we'll deal with it. It'll be fine. Great to be with you. Excited about what we're going to talk about today. But before we jump in, want to just uh, mention a couple things. Of course, Bring It Home, the book is always available. You can go to the website, Amazon, wherever, grab a copy of that. Another big thing is the book has been available since November, but the audiobook just came out last week. So if you're a person who loves Audible or you just love to listen to your books, now Bring It Home can be directly in your listening library. So make sure you go to Audible or wherever you listen to your books and get a copy as well. The other thing I want to highlight before we jump in is I've started doing something that I don't really love to do because it makes all of us uncomfortable, but it's so important to keep this work going forward. I'm so humbled and so thankful that I get to be engaged in this podcast. And on top of that, um, the chapel that we do, which is a monthly event here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, that we use to just continue the dialogue about spirituality, faith, moving forward, all centered on Jesus. And then just being able to engage with people all throughout the country uh, this coming May, going to be a part of the Solarize conference out in LA with, of course, Solarize and Ashoka and the Presencing Institute and just so humbled and so thankful to do the work that I do. In order to do it, I've got (laughs) to keep a roof over my head and I get very creative. My wife and I get very creative with how we do that because we know we have to maintain space to do this really important work that, that, again, that I'm so humbled to be a part of. So, I I put this out on the website at the beginning of the year. I still have never really said much about it, but if you want to support the work of chasing goodness, bring it home, just this work of the kind of what I call like future in faith work. There's a shift going on in faith right now. For whatever reason, <laughs> I found myself a bit in the in the center of it with a lot of other amazing human beings. And in order to stay in this space, in order to keep this work going, I have to continue to create avenues of revenue. So if you're a big believer in this podcast, or if you've just been listening for a while, or if you're a big believer in me or the work I'm engaged with, would you just do me a favor? I'm looking to create a support network that's very wide and very shallow. I never want to be dependent on like one main giver or one big grant or something like that. So my goal, and I think this is kind of a, you know, I, th- I think this is a, a Jesus-y kingdom of God kind of idea that we all just jump in a little bit <laughs> as far as supporting things. There's so many great things to support in this world. And if, again, if this podcast has meant anything to you or if you feel like, you know, you're being led to support this work that I'm doing, just go over to the website, which is mattkinzarat.com and you'll see an opportunity there to give. 
And all I'm asking on this podcast is anybody who wants to support to just support at the level of $25 a month. There's not even any other options because that's all I'm asking for. So again, if you feel led to do that, you can hop over there and anytime just jump on the website, mattkinzera.com, and it will walk you through everything you need to know. So today we are going to talk about something that's really important to me but something that's I feel that's gotten away from me a little bit in my life and I'm trying desperately to get it back currently. And that is simply that when we're talking about spirituality, when we're talking about God, when we're talking about faith, sometimes it can feel so serious, but it's only going to be life-giving if we can find light, joy, and laughter in the midst of it. So that's what we're going to talk about today, which is the spiritual gift of laughter and joy. So lately I'm on a lot of podcasts. It's part of promoting the book. It's part of just sharing about what I do in this world. And so I'm on this podcast this last week. I'm being recorded to be on a podcast. And after it's over, you know, we click the record button and we're done recording it. And the overarching thankfulness of the host wasn't about the book, although we talked a lot about that, wasn't about any specific work I'm doing, although we talked about that. But she was just so thankful for the joy and the laughter that I brought to the show. (laughs) And it was um, maybe one of the kindest, most wonderful compliments I could get. And I was so thankful for it because I do feel like in the space, especially when we talk about things like deconstruction and talk about things like, you know, what do we need to fix or what do we need to change so that spirituality can be in a healthier place in our world? It's easy for those conversations to get just so serious, even a little bit dark, a little bit angsty. I don't know if you, like me, listen to some podcasts on on kind of the deconstruction movement and things like that. And you may notice that a lot of the feeling when you listen to those get, you know, it feels a little bit angsty because there's certain things that we look back on and we're frustrated about. And so, so it was just such a great moment and it, it kind of, it caught, it caught me just, it caught me by surprise, first of all. And then it just got my mind going and it was, it was just, again, so very special. And it, it brought me back to actually a story that I share in the book and for better or for worse, this along with the story about me hanging upside down from a chain link fence in the book. <laughs> this is the one that everybody wants to talk about. So I'm in second grade, right? Second grade is second grade. You're what, eight years old or so? And when I was young, I went to a Catholic school, really tiny little Catholic school in southwestern Wisconsin. And I, from the time I was pretty young, I was also pretty competitive, like a lot of little boys. And for whatever reason, there was this this time, and I'll, I'll, I can picture it in my head right now. It was me and a friend of mine. His name's John. Another friend of mine, his name was Ben. It's easy to remember their names because there's like six people in my class. And we found ourselves in the bathroom, the boys' bathroom. I know you're probably in your mind trying to connect the dots here. <laughs> Matt's talking about competition. He's talking about growing up, and now he's in the bathroom. But anyway, we're in the bathroom. And in, in the Catholic school bathroom that I grew up in, there's three urinals. So this, the title of this 
story in the book is called You're in Trouble Now. And so there's three urinals and we would stand side by side. And above the urinals, it had to be like six, maybe eight feet up on the wall. No, it's probably like six feet. When I was little, it probably felt like it was eternity up there. Probably about six feet up on the wall, there was this white tank. Those of you who like grew up in the 80s, do you remember that white tank guys in your in your bathrooms above the urinals, right? They're not there anymore, but they were back then. And so there's this white tank. And I remember one of my friends, I believe it was John, just looked up at that tank and said, do you think we could pee on that tank? <laughs> and and it's, I still laugh about it today because it's it's just ridiculous, right? That a couple of eight year, a few eight year old boys think that they could pee on a tank six feet on the wall. And so for the next man, it, it, for me, it felt like for it felt like every day for months we would go down there and we'd literally one by one try to see if we could up the wall to this tank and we never really got all that close but I will tell you that every time we tried we got just a little bit closer but none of us ever got close enough to actually consider it a victory but there's another one of my friends and he actually for my whole childhood was my best friend his name was also Matt and I think so he heard because you know little boys talk and he heard about our little competition and he was super jealous that he wasn't a part of it because there's not four urinals down there there's only three and Matt and John and Ben already have them tied up. <laughs> so I think my buddy Matt was pretty jealous at what was going on, which again is also hilarious. And he told on us, he told the principal and our principal, her name is Mrs. Haney. Her name was Mrs. Haney. And this just really intimidating presence of a woman. <laughs> and so John and Ben and I go down there. We had this, this time when we'd take a, a coordinated bathroom break every single day. We'd load up on water, get an extra milk at, at lunch, and we'd be down there ready to, ready for our next attempt. And right in the middle of it, and I mean, the, you can't play this out any better, right? Because Mrs. Haney literally, in every sense of the word, caught us with our pants down. <laughs> And so we're in the middle of trying to pee on this white thing on the wall. And Mrs. Haney comes bursting into the boys' bathroom. And we, my friends, are in trouble. And so you go to Mrs. Haney's office. And she just has, she had, man, she had the best stink eye. Like, you knew you were in trouble. Other thing about Mrs. Haney, I also talk about her in the chapter of the book called The Father, Son, and the Holy Smoker. Because she was a chain smoker and one of my early spiritual influences. And so, and she also, like, drank coffee all day long. I say that while I have a coffee, cup of coffee right next to me. But her breath was, like, oh, it was the worst. As I even talk about it, I can remember it. And I'm 46, so I'm remembering things almost four decades ago, specifically the smell of Mrs. Haney's breath. Anyway, <laughs> so we're in trouble, right? This is the first time, like, I've really gotten trouble. The first time that, like, there's going to be a call home. And I think, I think... So she told us she was going to call home and I think she just milked it because she didn't call home till pretty late that night. And you know that feeling when you're growing up and you know you're in trouble and you feel sick to your stomach. So I had that feeling like all night long. Finally, the phone rings and I'm like, oh man, here it goes, here it goes. And sure enough, dad picks up the phone uh, and I can hear it. I, I know it's Mrs. Haney because I can hear the conversation that's happening. Dad puts down the phone, you know, hangs it up hangs up our phone it's hanging on the wall for those of you who are young hangs up the, the phone back on the wall looks at me points at me and tells me in a very stern voice that I'm to go to my bedroom so I'm I'm pretty sensitive guy pretty sensitive kid so I run to my bedroom I bury my face in my pillow and I just start bawling because that's just how I rolled 
And then I'm just waiting. You know, you're just waiting. It's like that horrible point when, okay, dad's going to talk to mom and then they're going to show up and then whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And so I'm, I'm crying, but I'm also listening. And then within a very short period of time, all I hear is just belly laughing, like deep, <laughs> like nonstop laughter coming from, it started with my mom because my mom struggles to take anything seriously. And then it went on to my dad and they're just laughing their asses off. And then of course it makes me kind of giggle a little bit. And then eventually, I mean, it was several, several minutes. Finally, my mom comes into my room to kind of, you know, to discipline me or whatever. And she can't even like keep a straight face. Like I can see tears in her eyes. Her cheeks are all flushed because they have been laughing hysterically for so long at this point. And so this moment, and, and then she tells me that dad and I have to go down there the next day and, you know, I have to wash the urinals. And, you know, that was like my, my penance that I had to give for this horrible sin that I I did. John and Ben and I had to go down there and clean out the bath, clean the bathrooms, clean the urinals, clean the walls. But I never forget that she was just snickering as she was telling me like what I had to do uh, in response to this horrible thing that I did at school. And the reason I bring up that story is again, kind of the same thing that happened with the podcast this week. It's just that you know, sometimes we take ourselves so seriously. And again, in parenting, do you find yourself taking yourselves way too seriously? Sometimes all the conversations that you have in regard to your kids are just so damn serious. And this was such a great moment when I was expecting a serious conversation. I was expecting to really be in trouble. And what I heard instead was just howling and laughter because it was hilarious. Your son just got caught with his pants down trying to pee on a white thing on the wall. That's funny. <laughs> That's just funny. And the reason I share that story in the book is because there's like a spiritual truth to this as well. When we talk about spiritual things, we can get, as I already mentioned, we can get so serious because if, I mean, think about it. We're trying to understand or we're trying to have some sort of grasp on something we can't see. We're talking about God. We're talking about sin. We're talking about spirituality. We're trying to understand how we're supposed to follow this Jesus. And for most of us, even this Jesus, when we were growing up, gets portrayed as a very, very serious, serious guy. I know that's how it was for me. Like people never in my Catholic grade school growing up, I was never told about this Jesus who laughed or this Jesus who had any fun. Although when I read the gospels now, I can see it, but that's not the Jesus I was taught about. The Jesus I was taught about was this Jesus who was on the wall in my Catholic school who looked very serious and very holy. And so again, as we're talking about spiritual things and we're thinking about spiritual things, I think it's also important that we not take ourselves too seriously. And I also think that Jesus was great at that. He, I mean, if anybody should be able to take themselves seriously, it's Jesus, but he also was, seemed to be very light. I mean, we don't have to go too far. I mean, his first miracle, I mean, obviously his mom was kind of lighthearted as well, right? His first miracle is to help drunk people get drunker. I mean, that's funny, right? Like that's funny. There was times when he would just do things or say things, seemed to be sarcastic, just I don't know. It just, the Jesus I grew up thinking about is not the Jesus now that I, I think about because I just, I see him as much lighter. I see him having much more of a sense of humor. Now, from the time I was, I was pretty young, I remember the first time I ever, like the first time, do you, ever, do, you, do you ever think about this? I remember the first time I ever made a group of people laugh. I was at another grade school birthday party a couple of years down the line from this. And for whatever reason I did, what was it? It was a... Um, 
it was like I did an impersonation of, of a president. It was President Reagan. And for whatever reason, we're dinking around at this birthday party where we all went camping. And I remember just trying to do an impersonation of Ronald Reagan and everybody just busted out laughing. And that was the first time I remember making people laugh. And then, ah, man, when you make people laugh, it's absolutely infectious. And so kind of from that point forward, I started enjoying just, you know, having a dry sense of humor, just, you know, using that, that good little comedic timing to make people laugh in social settings. And then I started speaking in churches when I was in my 20s. And, uh, there was this moment when, when I, I said something in the middle of a sermon and I remember people laughed so hard that it took me several minutes to like get back into the message. I don't remember what happened or what I said. I suppose if I think back about it, I could probably figure it out, but I do remember what I felt and I remember how great it felt to make people laugh. And so kind of became known for that a little bit of just, you know, having a, a good sense of humor, whether that was just in personal spaces or in, you know, large group spaces or being in front of people. And then I, you know, went through some hardship in life as you've, if you followed this podcast, you know, some of those things, or if you've read the book, you know, some of those things, you know, just some big disappointments in life, some big frustrations, losing friendships, questioning faith, getting kicked out of ministry spaces, just felt like one thing after another. And then going through the pandemic that we all recently went through, just found myself on the other side of it and, and hearing from my wife, hearing from my friends, like, Hey, like, you know, something's off. Like you're just not that fun, loving, easygoing, funny guy you used to be. And, and when people that are close to you call you out on things, you're forced to really consider it. And you're forced to think about those things. And that's absolutely what happened in this scenario is I just started thinking about those moments. You know, I start, I, what I do, what I encourage people to do through the book is just like, go back to those earliest moments. And that's when I remembered, Oh, I remember that first time I made people laugh at that birthday party. And then was just thinking back of like the stories. I mean, another, another story is I, I remember I was speaking in front of our little community when I had a, a little missional community called B side in the front of everybody. I tried to say success. And instead I said the word sex and my wife, Susie from the front row, just points at me and said, you said sex in church. And the whole place just started dying, laughing. Like laughter is so healing. Laughter is so important. Laughter is so necessary. And I would argue that laughter is vitally important in our spiritual journey. Laughter is, and, and just joy and happiness in general is so important. So here we are on this, the cusp of like a new kind of spirituality try to, trying to enter into our world. We're seeing all these amazing things happening, seeing you know people try to new, new forms of, of gatherings of spirituality, people trying to do new forms of you know helping their neighbor. They're inspired by their faith and they're doing these incredible things. And then we hear all of these conversations that we haven't been able to have before where we question, you know, the theology that we were taught when we were growing up or we're rethinking the way that we see Jesus or the way that we see the Bible. Like we're, there's so much going on. Right. And I think it has gotten very, very intense uh, and rightfully so it needs to be intense at certain times, but it feels to me that we have lost a little bit of our joy feels to me that we've lost a little bit of our happiness, that we've lost our ability to laugh. I mean, we all lost our ability to laugh going through that pandemic, right? Uh, we all lost our sense of humor when we all had to go through that, I think. And now I think it's time 
friends, I think it's time to get it back. And that was, that was kind of my realization after I heard that from the podcaster on the, on the show that I was on. And after I heard that from some of my friends and after I was just thinking back over my life, the thought that was just running through my mind is it's just time. It's time to recapture the lighter parts of ourselves. And that does not mean that we can't continue to have heavy conversations. Even on this podcast, we're going to have some conversations that are heavy. I mean, I'm going to have my, my friend Justin Meyer back on the, on the show in May to talk about mental health because these are, there's some conversations that we have to be having, right? And so it's not that we avoid the hard conversations. That's not what I'm saying because here's the other thing that I want to bring up. Laughter can be the greatest tool, the greatest thing about life, right? Like the the best moments in life are around a campfire laughing with your friends, talking about stories from the past. That's, that's at least my perspective. But it can also be something that we use to mask our hurt. So don't hear this incorrectly. The other thing that I became very, very good at over the years is when I would get uncomfortable in emotional situations or in any sort of environment, what I would do is because I was able to make people laugh, I would quickly you know, throw a joke in there to divert people's attention from what felt uncomfortable to me. And the only reason those things felt uncomfortable is probably because they were deep in their honest and they were serious. And so I would find myself in a deep, honest, serious conversation. It would often used to make me wildly uncomfortable. And so I would divert that uncomfortability by sharing a joke or by, you know, just my dry sense of humor. And that was really, really unhealthy. And so I want us to be careful with the way that we use our humor, okay? So I'm talking about laughter for the sake of laughter, joy for the sake of joy, humor for the sake of humor. But it's a tool and it's a powerful tool and we have to be careful with it. So again, the first thing that we have to be careful with when we're talking about laughter and joy is not using it to divert ourselves from actually having the hard conversations. I'm saying let's have the hard conversations and also let's have the laughter and let's have the joy and let's have the lightness. I'm saying all together, not one without the other. Okay. And that's, that's what I'm seeing too much of, right? As we're seeing too much serious or too much laughter that's diverting from the serious conversations. That's not what I'm saying. The other thing, and I see this a lot, especially when I work with, with young people, cause I go around and I speak to young people for a good portion of the year. And one thing that I see a lot, and the cool thing is that I'm seeing young people address it and young, like teenagers point this out, is that we can joke about like a certain group of people and feel like we can get away with our homophobia or racism or whatever, right? Have you ever found yourself in that scenario where somebody makes a joke about maybe somebody who's gay or somebody who's trans or somebody who's a woman or somebody who's a, who's a person of color and then like the whole room laughs and then you're like wait a second if that person said what they just said without making a joke of it like nobody would have laughed and so we have to be very careful with the way that we use our laughter because laughter and joking and sarcasm can also be a way to put people down and we can put people down in a way that doesn't even feel like we're putting them down, which then makes us feel like somehow we're off the hook. And so those are really the two spaces that I really want to caution us. Okay. So again, laughter, amazing, joy, amazing, joking around, awesome, all of it, so good, so needed. We need more of it in our world today. 
but we also just have to have a couple little asterisks next to them. And number one is using laughter or using jokes or whatever to deflect from real conversations. Don't want to do that. And number two, it's using laughter or joking or whatever to put other people down. Those are two things I see way too much of. Uh, One of them I'm definitely guilty of, which is deflecting. Um, The other one I'm seeing all throughout our world, which is joking about things and thinking somehow that makes it okay. I'm just saying when things happen, like your son pees on a wall, like when something happens and it's funny, just don't be afraid to laugh. It's okay. It's good. It's it's better than okay. It's good. Uh, Fast forward, gosh, 20 years, whatever, and I've got this young daughter. Now, at this point in the game, she's nearing 20. But at this point, this is before she was even in school. So this little preschool kid, stubborn as can be. amazing girl but we'd do this thing where uh when she would get in trouble which was often we would make her sit on her bed and then we'd set the timer for her age so however old she was we'd set the timer for that many minutes and would have to sit in a time out for in this case i think it was like when she was four years old so we'll call it for four minutes three or four minutes she couldn't have been any older than that and so Macy does whatever Macy does and she gets in a timeout. So I set her on her bed and then from her bedroom, she could see the kitchen. It was like a straight shot to the kitchen and the timer that I would always set that we would always set was on the kitchen stove. And for whatever reason, I put her in the timeout and did not set the kitchen timer and she realized it. And so then I hear this little three or four year old voice coming out of her room yelling, Hey, drummer boy, set the timer. <laughs> Cause like I'm a drummer. She knows that. So she just yells out, Hey, drummer boy, set the timer. And I literally just like lost it. I just started crying. I was laughing so hard. And then of course just ran into her bedroom and tackled her and started tickling her because <laughs> like you just, you know, whatever she did, it wasn't that serious that you can't just laugh about the things that are funny. And so it was, you know, it was kind of full circle, right? Like my parents just were laughing at something I did when I was a little kid. And then <laughs> somewhat similar scenario with Macy. And I got the the opportunity to return the favor by laughing just as hard as my parents did. Last thing I want to share about this is I had this opportunity. So for those of you who don't know, you know, the, some of the harder parts of my story, one of the hardest parts of my story is I, I started, my wife and I, we started this missional faith community downtown in our own city and the whole premises of it was to reach out to and create community, create a home, create a safe space for people who were living on the streets, people who felt like outcasts, you know, uh, we didn't care if people were Christians or not. They would, you know, on a given Sunday when we do our worship service, half the people there would not profess as being Christians. It was just this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. But we did it for about, and it was, but it was the hardest thing, <laughs> one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And that hard work caused us to kind of get burnt out. And then we ended up, up having a really big struggle with our, our leadership um, crew there. And then eventually it all, <laughs> without getting into any more details, led up to this place where I got kicked out of the community that I started for hurting and homeless people. And it was just a, a, a dark, dark moment, just a hard moment in my life. About, gosh, maybe this was like 
three years after this happened, three years after this event, I got the opportunity to speak at a church for the first time since I got kicked out of the community because there was I, I needed a lot of healing time, a lot of space to kind of figure out what was up and what was down. And when I was asked to speak at this church, they asked me to just share my story just sh- and to share that part of the story, which you know was kind of a daunting thing to do. So I'm sharing the story about B-Side, sharing the story about the heart behind it, why we did what we did. And then it all leads up, you know, you're kind of leading up to that moment where you talk about getting kicked out. And, and so I'm feeling a little bit emotional as I'm sharing this. It's a big, it's a, you know, fairly big church that I'm speaking in front of. And it gets to the point where I'm like, and then I got kicked out of my own church community that I started by the leadership team that I brought in. And I expected there just to kind of be this, this kind of dense silence because I I expected people to to kind of just sit in that a little bit, but that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. What happened is people started laughing. And at first I was like super offended. I was like, did I, did I stumble over my word? Did I say something that I didn't mean to say? But then it was amazing because as I, so I'm still speaking, right? And so I'm trying to process this laughter as I'm still speaking, getting to the end of this message. And really what it came down to is, you know what? Sometimes the hard things that we experience in life are ridiculous as well. Like when you look at them in perspective, which they got an opportunity to do, I couldn't look in perspective because I went through it. They were able to hear it in perspective and they thought it was funny. They thought it was so ridiculous that it made them laugh when I shared the story. And so sometimes when we think about laughter and we think about joy, it's important to also be okay with it in the midst of your hardships. Now, again, I'm not saying use laughter to deflect from your hard situations. I'm just saying when you've been through something hard and it's ridiculous, it's okay to laugh about it. You might need a minute to get to the point where you can actually laugh about it, but you can laugh about it and it's okay. You know, do do you ever realize like when you've had those really hard times in your life and then you get three, five, 10 years down the line, like in the midst of what you went through, you couldn't imagine bringing any sort of light to it, any sort of lightness to it. But when you look way back on it and you look back on it with people around you, like you can, you can see just how ridiculous maybe that thing that you went through was, and then you can laugh about it and that's okay. That's healing. I would say even. And so I just, I I bring this up today because this is important to me. And it's something I'm trying to get back and I'm feeling myself getting there. I'm feeling myself just feeling so light. And again, it was such confirmation when I was on that podcast and she clicked off the record button and just thanked me for the joy and the light I brought to the conversation. And it made me feel like, okay, this work that I'm trying to do to get back to myself and to get back to joy and laughter and enjoying life, you know, it's working. And so in the midst of your hardships, in the midst of your struggles with faith, in the midst of your desire for a better world, you know, it's just, just be okay with joy, be okay with laughter, be okay with lightheartedness, not only be okay with it, but I would say, search it out, find it because life isn't full. If life doesn't involve laughter, life isn't full. If we can't just find the lighter side of things. Uh, you know, we, we need the dense, serious space in life, but no more so than we need the lightness and the laughter and the joy. So my challenge is go out there this week, 
find joy in whatever your scenario is. Find some some space, some place to laugh. Get around those people who make you laugh even. And, uh, and just, again, find some joy in this world that can sometimes be really, really, really hard. So excited for next week's podcast. A new friend of mine, Marla Taviano, is going to be on the show. She has a new book of poetry called Jaded and an incredible story. She is the founder of the Instagram account, which is White Girl Learning. So if you want to get a little bit of a heads up on who she is, if you've never heard of her before, you might want to check that out. Just a wonderful, wonderful human being with an incredible story. And I think you're really going to love it. And lots of great things coming in the the near future. Um, And that's in the nearest future. So I thought I'd highlight that. Again, if you want to support the work of this podcast and the work that I'm engaged in, just hop over to the website, mattkinzera.com, and you'll see that donation space there. I do run this as a nonprofit, so anything you give is tax deductible, but the only option that you have is to give $25, because again, we're going shallow and wide. (laughs) So again, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under my name, Matt Kinzera. This podcast, Chasing Goodness, is also available to find on Facebook. Facebook. And as always, make sure you continue, let's all together continue to chase goodness.